0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church in West Palm Beach. We exist to point people to the truth of the gospel. You ever get called a name? I know the answer is yes for all of us. You ever think back to the way that feels, maybe go back all the way to school like you get called a name? And it, it doesn't feel good. In fact, you may have noticed that it has a kind of power to it, even if you know it's false when you get called a name. But I want you to think not just of sort of anything, like not just any name, but, but think about those times you got called a name that's about your sin. You got called a liar. You're a thief. You're a whore. You're a racist. You're just a plain old self-righteous, narcissistic pig. Think about those times you got called a name. And think about the times you got called a name like that and there actually was some truth to it. Like it came out of things you really had done. You got called a name and if you think about it, if you're like me, it, it feels awful. And having there be some truth to it in terms of what you did doesn't make it feel any better. It makes it feel that much worse It feels awful. And maybe some of you have the experience not only of hearing those names from those around you at a distance, but sometimes you've heard those names from the people close to you, and they hurt that much more. But for many of us, we probably also have the experience of hearing those names internally. We hear ourselves saying, You're a thief, you're a liar. You're miserable. You're a whore. Now, the reason we use that last one, I know some of these I'm not supposed to say like that because they're just awful words. But one of the things we're going to do is we go through the scripture this morning is we're going to find this woman Rahab who carries her name throughout scripture. And I want you to focus because as we as we go through today there's a couple of things going on but I want you to I want you to keep in mind that name because when we get to Rahab we're going to see how God in his promise by faith has broken down walls that go far beyond anything as seemingly amazing as the Red Sea. So let's start off this morning. If you want to turn with me, we're going to be we're going to be starting in Hebrews 11. And if you're just joining with us, we we've, we've been in the book of Hebrews. We've been going through a series on Hebrews, and we're one week away from finishing up the Hall of Heroes, the Hall of Faith, in chapter 11. So if you'll turn with me to, to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be reading uh, verses 29 through 32, which at first may not sound all that much like each other. So let's read there, starting in verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd open up your word to us today. Lord, help us to see how by your promises, by the faith that you've given to us, even when it is broken and incomplete, you've broken down all the walls. When you make a promise, you fulfill it, whether it's by opening up the sea so we can cross over, by bringing down the walls so that we can enter the city, or by calling people who are impossible to call in their own righteousness and guaranteeing that in you there is eternal life. Lord, open these words to us today. Be with me, give me the right words to say, and Lord, where I fail, uh, give all of us here the right ears to hear. In your name we pray, amen. So um, this, this story and the way that this lines out, if I looked at it ahead of time, it's not exactly the way I would have wanted to bring them out because uh, at first it seems like these are different. It seems like we have two. If you remember, right at the very beginning, we talked about that by faith, God sometimes gives us an impossible outcome. One of the main areas we talked about that was uh, Sarah being able to have a child when it was impossible for her to have a child and having a child by faith. And, and it looks like these first two really fit together. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about those together. And if you want, um, if you're going to be reading with us in the Old Testament, we're going to be looking at Exodus 14. And a little later, we're going to be looking at Joshua 2. But looking at Exodus 14 first, we're going to hear a little bit about the crossing the Red Sea. And a familiar motif should be this idea that the author of Hebrews says, by faith, and then tells us a story. And when we go back and look at the story, the faith doesn't look all that great in the people themselves. So here is Exodus 14, starting in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near... The people of and, and just so you remember, this is after all the plagues. The people have, been, have come out of Egypt. They've run up against the Red Sea, and they've stopped. And Pharaoh has said, wait a second, I don't want to let them go. And he's gathered his army, and he's chasing after them. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you when we were there in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So this story is kind of interesting. By faith, look what the author of Hebrews says again in 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. When we go back and look at that by faith, what's the main thing we take away? I mean, it, it looks like the main thing we take away is there's no situation so bad that you can't be sarcastic about it. What did they say to Moses? Are there no graves in Egypt that we have to come out here and die in the wilderness? And they're, they're really in bad shape. It's kind of like the opposite of the kind of list of spiritual growth you get in the New Testament. You know, to your fear, add resignation. To your resignation, anger. To your anger, blame. And to your blame, sarcasm. By faith, they cross the Red Sea. The people are there, and they're like, they're terrified. And they're going to Moses and saying, Moses... What did you do? Why would you bring us out here to die? We could have died there. We would have actually stayed alive. It was bad. We were slaves. We were told to kill our kids. We were treated miserably. It's better than this. And it's actually, it's funny because it, it stays a little funny. Remember, Moses is the one who's telling the story. I, I, it's, it's a little funny to me again as Moses tells this because what does he do? He goes to the people and he says, it's all right. God is going to show his glory to you. We're going to be Okay. But then we get this switch. We don't don't know what happens between 14 and 15. But in 15, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Just raise your arms and the sea will be parted. And it's almost like Moses went and said, it's going to be okay. And then he turned around and said to God and said, okay, you got to do something. Now's the time. Let's go. But I love the Lord's answer to him. I mean, what are you bugging me about? I'm taking care of the Egyptians. Just raise your arms and the sea will be parted. It's like, oh, I, why didn't I think of that? I mean, it's not like that's obvious. It's not like that's what we usually do. We've got to cross the sea. Don't look for bridges. Just raise your arms. There's no indication that God has told him that yet. He's, I, I mean, the best we can figure is either God had said this is the way it's going to work, or God is saying, listen, I have empowered you to lead my people. And you ought to be grabbing hold of that. You should have thought of this because I've promised I'm going to carry you through. And you knew it. You said it. You declared it to the people. You said, hey, be calm. It'll be okay. God's going to show his glory to you. Get ready. So you didn't need to come back and be worried. You could have held firm to the promises and part of the sea. We don't know. We're speculating on it. But what it is, it's funny how both, I mean, both of these answers are a little bit, it's it's funny. But it, what it isn't is a confirmed example of people having a kind of faith inside of them that they could turn to and say, Yep, I'm feeling so good about God right now that it's sure, it's sure to result in the sea parting. What it's an expression of is by faith they went when God did the work of fulfilling his promises in an impossible way. Now, certainly he could have done it differently. He could have not had the Egyptians there. In fact, he explicitly takes credit for having the Egyptians come so that his glory would be shown, so that people like you and I would know who he is, so that he'd be visible to us when he is so often a hidden God. He ordained to fulfill his promise in this spectacular way. And by faith the people went, by faith in the kind of sense of a thing inside of them that they could go point to and say, boy, that's awesome, God's going to part the sea. No, by faith in the sense of having nothing like that inside of them that was so awesome that God should part the sea but that they went when he said go. And he fulfilled the promise. We've had this theme over and over again. The author of Hebrews has told us faith includes belief. He's told us that faith changes us. He's told us he's doing, he's telling us these stories to get us activated. It's not that faith is not there at all, but he's trying, I think, to remind us again and again, as these are people who are struggling or having a hard time, who have gotten soft on the faith. That faith isn't something that you first go and look for it being right in you, and then if it's good enough, then you expect God to promise. But that, again, as we've talked about, faith is that place you go, like, right now it's not that great. But God's promises are sure. And so I will go forward even though I am scared and angry and blaming people and even sarcastic. Now, the next one we're going we're gonna to do fairly quickly, Jericho. Jericho, in part, we're going to do quickly because the story is very similar where, um, where the, the Hebrews need to do something that's impossible and God does it in a way that's particularly spectacular so that his glory would be shown. But Jericho, we don't have a lot of information about how the people are. About what's going on. So, if you were to go, the main part of the story of Jericho, you would find in Joshua 6. Um, We're going to be reading from Joshua 2 in a little bit that sets it up. We're not going to go to Joshua 6 today. But what you'll read is what the author of Hebrews has said here. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, both for the people of Israel and for the people in the surrounding nations, God chose to fulfill his promise to his people. I will bring you into the Holy Land in a way that was spectacular and declared his glory. And if you remember the story, what he told the people of Israel is, all right, go up to Jericho and just walk around it every day for seven days. There's trumpets, there's the ark involved, and then after seven days, you'll see my glory. Now, I don't know what it was like to be amongst the people of Israel, but I'm sure as they were getting ready to go to Jericho, what they weren't thinking is, don't bother fighting outside of this fortified city. Just walk around it and wait. But that's how God chose to fulfill the promise. And so what the people of Israel did is by faith they obeyed. They didn't know for sure. They knew that God had been faithful to his promises. They knew that he had promised. And so under uh, Joshua's command, they obeyed the Lord. And then on the seventh day, the walls of this fortified city came down and God fulfilled his promise to them. And they were able to defeat Jericho and continue entering into the Holy Land. But what we want to pay attention to, especially in Jericho, is the next impossible wall because Rahab doesn't seem like she fits, right? We have a a sea that's in front of us and an army behind us, and how are we gonna get out? And this is miraculous. The seas are parted. We have a fortified city and walls that are too tall and they're so well made and there's no way we can get in and God brings them down. But then the next thing we have is by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This doesn't sound anything like that. How, where's the impossibility here? Where's the wall here? Well, let's read the story, and then we're going to talk and consider just how impossible Rahab the prostitute is. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun... Sent two men, and if you remember, Joshua has taken over for Moses as the commander of the Hebrew people. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the kings of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house. For they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly and you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction." And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So after this, Rahab lets the spies out, they go back to the army, they understand this to be part of God's providence for his promises into the promised land, and the people come and then we get the story of Jericho we heard before. Now, it's easy to miss, it's just Rahab the prostitute, especially for us now because we're so far on the other side of Christ coming, there's a lot of what's unbelievable about Rahab the prostitute that we could miss. Well, right off, you might be bothered. Why is she still addressed as Rahab the prostitute? I mean, can't we have dropped that or at least make it a euphemism? Rahab, the woman of negotiable affections. Or Rahab, who used to be a prostitute. Or Rahab, the savior of Israel. Why? Why would she still be? Why does she have to be called Rahab? By faith, Rahab the prostitute. Why do that? It's actually highlighting one of the impossibilities. But remember, the author of Hebrews is talking to a Jewish audience here. This is a Jewish church. And they still, very early on, are retaining many of the Jewish traditions. And let's just think about how impossible Rahab was. First, she's not Jewish. Now, the Hebrews have just been brought out of Egypt. And the Hebrews being brought out of Egypt are being made a nation. And the law, the Mosaic law, is made for them to stand out amongst the nations. So the glory of God will be revealed. And explicit in that law is a lack of association. Like, you're not supposed to associate with people who are outside of it. So Rahab coming into the covenant, Rahab being invited in, Rahab being a support, is already bad because she's not Hebrew not to mention that she's a woman. But it's actually worse than that, because not only is she not Hebrew, but the people in, in, that, that live there in the Holy Land, the Canaanites, are explicitly the ones that God has said. They have to be removed. They have to be that, The Holy Land must be only my people. So worse than just not being Hebrew, she belonged to the people that God had said they all have to go. Now, we don't get, it's one of the most troubling parts for many people of the Old Testament. It's it's something you can go and you can follow up on. We don't have a lot of flavor to understand exactly why God said it this way, but we do know, I mean, this was a bad place. This was a place of child sacrifice. This was a place of idol worship. This was a place of constant war. This was a place of slavery. This was a place of prostitution. But God said, get all of that. Get all that idol worship. Get all of that out of the land. So Rahab was worse than just not in the covenant. She actually belonged to the enemies of the covenant. And from there, she's not just not Jewish. She's not just a member of the Canaanite people. She's a prostitute. It's not that it was, there's this one person who's really full of great dignity and sanctity and holiness and will save her. This was a woman who had given herself professionally over to prostitution and she's known as Rahab the prostitute. And the thing that we are hearing here is God's promise in Christ to open the doors that all can come in is being exemplified. We need to know it's Rahab the prostitute because the grace of Jesus Christ is great enough to break down even the wall of the impossible person, the impossible prostitute. And her faith is exemplified in her understanding the Lord. You heard her say it. I know the Lord is God. And by faith, she was saved out of Canaan. By faith, the wall into the covenant was broken. She was brought into the covenant people. She dwelt among them. There's a little bit of dispute about this, but it's probably Rahab who's in Matthew in the line of Christ out of one of Christ's ancestors. Rahab, the Canaanite. Rahab, the prostitute. And you see, one of the things that can happen to us at times is in Christianity, we can feel like what we've got to do is stop being the prostitute, stop being the liar, stop being the thief. We come to the Lord, we come to the Bible looking for, give me the things that I can do so that I can get good enough. Sometimes, even knowing that that's not what the gospel is about, the gospel is for prostitutes, not for the end of prostitutes so they can get to a different place. Sometimes we aren't willing to really be that bad. Sometimes we want to say, like, my sin's really not that bad. And in fact, we have to hold it off because we feel like God's grace can't be big enough if I was that. When we hear those words, when we hear those names, whether from the outside, you're a liar, you're a cheater. I can't be that. We justify ourselves. It's not that bad because I can't be that bad because there's no salvation for that bad. Sometimes when the voice comes from inside, I feel like it's really true. I really, I really am a liar. I really am. That's what I am. That defines me. I'm a cheater. I'm a thief. I'm a selfish self-righteous, narcissistic jerk. Uh, There's no salvation for me. Even knowing the gospel, we feel like it's too much. I'm too much. Christ can't be for me. The next step for us needs to be to recognize, listen, it's okay to embrace those names. Christ told us, God told us, he called Rahab the prostitute so that we would know, I call the impossible. And my grace is enough. And the message of the gospel, if you haven't heard it before here, is not to come in and learn how to be good. It's that none of us are good. And that Jesus Christ, what he did is not go and say, I'm going to call the good people. He said, I'm going to call the bad people because that's what I've got and I love them. And whether the name you hear is prostitute, whether it's thief, whether it's liar, whether it's cheat, the gospel is big enough for you. Christ is big enough for you. His grace is big enough for you. And he's calling you and saying, I will set you free. Come in, trust in me, repent, say, I don't want it anymore. I'll take your guilt, bring you into this kingdom, and I will use you. Remember, that's what the author of Hebrews is doing with us. He's saying, I want to use you. Get back activated. Remember again, Christ has set you free. Let's get going. And all those labels and all those names, understand, they've been taken away. When you stand before God, it won't be with the burden of all your guilt, hoping you've done enough good to outweigh it. In Christ, when you stand before God, you get to wear his righteousness and be looked at through the beauty of Christ. In the church, sometimes we feel like we've got to get rid. We've got to to cover it all up. We've got to get rid of the sin. We can't show the sin. We're supposed to be good people. I think we hurt ourselves there. Because at first, look, get the label taken off. Understand the label's been taken off. But as you mature, one of the real strengths in the church can be those people who are willing to be like Rahab. I'm Rahab the prostitute, and Jesus loved me and he saved me. I'm Paul, the murderer. And Jesus loved me, and he saved me. That actually there can be a place like Rahab to put that label back on so all the people around us can know Christ did not come to make perfect people that he could then save. He saved imperfect people. And some of us can put that label back on so that we can help the people around and say, look, I was a prostitute. And Christ saved me. And still I struggle, but I'm no perfect person. And to be to each other the voice, to be to each other, Rahab the prostitute, that we can be reminded again and again and again. God didn't call the easy. He called the impossible. He parted the Red Sea. He brought down the walls of Jericho. And he made salvation possible for you and me. And that's the good news here. That is the by faith. By faith, the prostitute is in the kingdom. And by faith, prostitutes like you and me can be in the kingdom as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have, that you've done the impossible, that you've made the impossible happen, that you've opened a way Lord, we pray that when we are covered up in our sin, that you will remind us of the beauty of the cross and set us free. Lord, I pray that if we're denying our sin, you'll expose it to us. Let us accept how big it is so that we can understand how big your salvation is. But Lord, I also pray that you'll lift up people in this church and in all of your church who are willing to go back and remember their sin, knowing that it's taken care of, to be Rahab the prostitute for the people around them that they can know too, that you don't just call the worthy, but there are no worthy. You call the unworthy. You set them free. You make things right. And you're using us to build your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church. We encourage you to distribute this to as many people as you'd like but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information about our ministry or to subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at www.truthpoint.org.